Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. Print management, document management in the cloud, print assessments, customer service, which is actually the key here. If they can help Joe Giglio work a Kiosi or a printer, they can help your entire staff. That, folks, is a testament to their ability to work with you. So, Rocky Four. Joe. Yes. You were in the building last night. I was there for my Deeks. Watching yes. your Deeks wearing that yellow pad Adidas hoodie standing out in a sea of blue behind the Duke bench. Your Deeks, did they, were they aware that you were there to watch them? They let you down last night at Cameron, man. Well, first of all, I had them in the first half and they covered. So that was good. I got smart. <laughs> I got smart because their roster is the best in the ACC in the first half. I now know this. Uh, but first of all, thank you to Matt Davis for bringing this over. Stay Farm, you have yep. some Stay Farm needs, you have some insurance needs, you want to save money like our listener Christian and realize, hey, I can save thousands. Check him out. It's the OGinsurance.com. Um, yeah, I, I, you know how much respect I have for Steve Forbes. I'm watching this game. Hunter Salas was the best player on the floor last night. I, I, I don't see much way around that. Okay. Okay. And there's long stretches where Cam Hildreth is running Wake's offense. There's, there's, he finally did bench Boopy Miller in the second half. Boopy was in the tank. Yeah. Boopy was back in one of the directional Michigans last night. The game was, but, like, the game was what, too much for that Boopy was, last night. That was brutal. He was terrible. Um, Hildreth was awful. And his histrionics even got to John Shire at one point, which was interesting. Salas had 14 points in the first half. They're doing just fine, even though they shot poorly. And then the second half, they go away from him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stand up and scream to him. Can we can we die with our fastball, please? Can my Deeks please die with their fastball? They, they, I think you needed to be behind the wake bench. I did. That might have been distracting. But uh, For, Forbes probably would have looked back at you like, Joe, could you not? Could, not not now. Not now. Not, not now. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe later. I'll see you at the ACC tournament. We can have a conversation, I, but not now. But I thought Duke in the second half. I thought we saw Mark Mitchell kind yeah. of assert himself. And... I'm really starting to wonder if the young guy isn't the bus driver on this team. What, McCain? McCain. Starting to wonder. (laughs) One quick note about Wake Forest. I'm like you. I want to like Wake Forest, man. They've got a good roster. Yeah. And to your point about uh, Cam Hildreth, um, the Englishman, I think Duke put him in a position where they were like, fine, man, take all your shots. I mean, they they clearly were working defensively to make sure that Wake was, and and it's not like Wake got some open looks, man. Yeah. They they Mon- got open looks. Monsanto was in the tank. That poor guy's got one leg. And it's it's funny um, in the post game. You know, Steve Forbes was getting asked a bunch of different questions. I know Cam, uh, who covers Wake Forest for uh, the Deacon's Deacon Digest, I think it was what, the twenty four seven site. Um, and Cam's a good follow if you're a Wake Forest person. And you know, he had followed up a question with with Steve Forbes about the shots not going in. It's like, I don't have an answer for you fellows. I think I'm paraphrasing here. Cause I don't have the audio. It's like, I'm par- like, I don't, I don't have an answer for you fellows. Sometimes the ball just doesn't go through the hole. It's yeah. that simple. Right. Well, sometimes the wrong people are taking shots. And I think that's I, don't, what Duke I, don't did mind, job I don't mind the man Santo. Cause that's what he does. Sure. But he's two for nine. And he was just, he was just jacking shots. And I'm yeah. like, same thing with Hildreth. He just took too many shots. He's one for nine. He, he was just trying to do too much. Yeah. And I can yeah. appreciate his like, utilitarian mode that he has and he is a versatile player but 
he was struggling. And but, then, of course, Boopy was non-existent. Boopy and Hildreth were two of 16. Mm-hmm. Monsanto was two of nine from three. I and mean, the, it's just, you can't win basketball games that way. And the problem for Wake right now is that they're, this is a Q1 opportunity for them. They're 0 and 4 in Q1 opportunities, 5 and 4 in Q2. They got another chance against Virginia. And that's my issue with Wake is that you want to like them. You do. They got, a, they got a nice roster, but they just can't get over. And I don't know why they can't get over. What what is whole? I mean, they actually played decent defense in this game. It, that's been their problem. Defense defense sure. has been their biggest. Second halves have been their biggest problem. And and they let this game get away from them in the first ten minutes. Like Efton Reed, uh, gosh, I'm like the president of the Efton Reed fan club. And the guy foul. He's got three fouls. Yeah, in the first half, and he comes on in the first thirty seconds. I mean, that was like Richard Howell esque. Yes, it was. Like you have three fouls, you can't foul. And in the first twenty seven seconds of the second half. He picks up his fourth foul. Mm-hmm. So now you're at Duke. You're playing without your, your serviceable big, big man, Marsh. God bless him. Bless his heart. Whatever it is you're supposed to say <laughs> about a guy who's not helpful. Um, you know, so you, you win, you play this game without Reed and with three of your shooters playing poorly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a testament to them that it was only an eight point game. Or, or is it more of an indictment on Duke that Efton Reed has these issues? They're not shooting well. And Wake Forest still hung around because that on the flip side of this last night kind of crested over thanks to Jay Williams, who was working the studio. Now, again, I was at the game last night. You were at the game last night. I was not obviously not watching it on TV, but I get home. I'm doing the classic, you know, garbage plating of food because I haven't eaten dinner and my brain's still kind of functioning from watching the game. And I open up social media and apparently Jay Williams went as far to call this Duke team soft. This is something that's been kind of lingering around this Duke squad for the last couple of weeks. Nobody wants to outright say it. So Jay at halftime actually retweeted himself uh, from somebody else's like video cam uh, footage. And Jay says, I couldn't say what the hell I really wanted to say, but y'all know what I was talking about. And here's what, here's the clip. You're going to pee like a puppy, stay on the porch, let the big dogs eat. So if you're not going to play, so there you go. There's there's Jay Williams. <laughs> Let the big dogs eat. So there's this kind of knock that's been floating around Duke and whether or not they've got that like toughness. If like Coach K would never. And I'm guilty of this. I've actually brought this up too. Like how would Coach K react to some of this stuff? And what's it's it's weird because you you brought it up the other day when you went down their analytics, right? Like you look at Duke's squad. They're now what? They're 19 and five. That's the same record as UNC. They're 10 and three in the conference. One game back of North Carolina, who's 11 and two in the conference. Yet the way we talk about Duke, it's like frustration. And I think that might lead to what you've been saying about the squad is whose team is this? You look at Duke play and you're like, whose is it? I know who it is with Carolina, right? Who's, who's, whose team is this? Do you have an answer for that? I think it, this I'm starting to get 2012 vibes from them. Okay. And if you can't keep your Duke years straight, that was the Austin rivers year. That was their first dalliance into the one and done, depending on whatever your definition of Kyrie Irving is. But Irving Austin rivers wanted to be the man on that team and obviously hit a very famous shot in Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. But ultimately that team fractured because if you're a freshman and you want to be the man, you better be the effing man. You better be Zion. You better be Bancaro. You better be even Tatum struggled with it because of some injuries. But Austin Rivers, it was like, okay, some games you see it. And then other games like Seth Curry, the Plumlee brothers, Ryan Kelly, 
you know, those were all Quinn Cook. Those were all good college players who had kind of paid their dues and were like, like, awesome. We think cool, but you're not that guy. And there's some of that going on. Filipowski's confidence. Like if you just look at the box score, you, wow, he had 21 and 10. He was really good. His confidence is somewhere else. I've been telling his confidence is somewhere else. He's one for six from three. He got to the point in the second half where Mike Marsh was playing off of him Mm -hmm. and he would not shoot the basketball. And I'm just sitting there going, (laughs) Holy smokes, dude, you waiting for the invitation. And then his problem is what Filipowski specifically his problem is. Look at, look at the other side for Duke, for wake with Carr. How many times did Carr dunk the ball in this game? Uh, he had six, times. He had six field goals. I bet you three of them were dunks. So they speaking of speaking of balls not going in. Uh, I think I forgot what the stat was on layups that they missed. A lot of balls so just rolled off the rim for where Carr, a Delaware transfer, is built like this. Mm-hmm. Yet he has the mentality that I'm going up and I'm throwing this thing in. Mm-hmm. When Filipowski goes to the rim, he doesn't try to dunk the ball. He seeks the contact and then falls under the basket. Yeah. And I'm like, you have to go to the rim, grab the rim Mm -hmm. and protect yourself. Mm -hmm. You're six freaking 10. Yeah. Why are you falling into the third row? And then he's bad. And then he comes out of that, like with his his face, like, oh, I just just got, I got it. Oh man. I just got hit in the head player. I'm just like, yeah. And there's been conversations. So there's that. That's why I think people will assign soft to him. So I was talking to, that's not soft. It's just not smart. I was talking to the fellas, you know, the fellas, the fellas, the fellas, if you will, because they know who they are. They know who they are. AP and young uh, Connor. Young, young Connor, Marks, the wise man, the yeah. fellas. Okay. Yeah. Rod, the fellas. And, you know, because they were there all the time. Right. And I was, I forgot who it was. It's like, yeah, I think actually, I, I want to say it was Beard. He's like, yeah, you know, these are things that you don't see on television where John's like trying to have this conversation with Filipowski in a game like, Probably about what you're yeah. saying. Just go to the go rim. to the rim. Yes, and it was Aaron who had actually gotten that quote from Filipowski over the weekend about the face, right? Like, yeah, you know, sometimes my face is not is giving away too much of what I'm thinking and things like that. And it could be an overthinking situation for Kyle Filipowski. So, I don't think soft is the label. Like a couple of weeks ago, or it was last week, Chris Mack on Field of 68, that podcast, straight up said like they don't got those dogs in them. It's like Tyler said before, you, they, they've got talent. I, I just, I don't think that they, that they are dogs. I don't think that they play. Just think about like a, a Houston, um, you know, j- just the way those guys play and how hard they play. I don't get that when I watch Duke and, you know, having played against them, whether it was when I was an assistant at Wake Forest, head coach at Louisville, I always felt like, Duke's intensity was at another level, you know, and I'm sure you saw that, you know, Tyler, when you played and obviously a huge rivalry game, but I I just, I don't see that type of intensity. Uh, I I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the makeup of those kids. Um, I think they're talented, but until they play with a little bit more intensity for me, I I don't see them as being a threat uh, to win a national championship. So again, that was Chris Mack on Field of 68 last week talking about, and mind you, these are Duke squads that are winning games. I just gave you the record. They're 19 and five. They're a top 10 team. They're second place in the ACC. And what Chris Mack said 
what Jay Williams said. I looked at Jay Williams mentions last night and a bunch of Duke fans are on board with what Jay Williams is saying. Like that's a soft group. That's not what coach K would say. When I think now we're romanticizing some of the teams that came out of the coach K era. Okay. You brought up that Austin Rivers team as a prime example of it. Shire did the exact thing last night that coach K would do. He's trying to hug up his team. He's trying to love up his team. He's trying to give his team confidence because even though it's 2024 yeah, and most of these guys will just only see things on reels and the snap face and all these other things and nobody reads the paper and no one's going to go to them. Hey, did you see what coach said in the paper? Mm -hmm. No, but you still have to send a message to your team. What he's saying after last night is I believe in you and I want you to believe in yourself because you can be better. Uh, Listen, the way that they played last night, they could do couldn't shoot the ball either. No. So Pro- that's been a, that's been a problem. For I them, think by the way. Proctor was going through something. I don't know if head. he was throwing the up. I don't know what he was doing, but he was kind of like leaving the bench and he was, yeah. he was out of it. He no, was out of it. He had no points. He, had, he he missed all of his shots. He was no factor in this game. Yeah. He, he and, fell on, he fell on the back of his head. Cause that happened in front of me and he laid on the, he laid on the court for a bit. And that was pretty much a wrap for Tyrus Proctor. And I think last year, what unlocked Duke was Proctor playing at a higher level lifted Filipowski, lifted lively and put them in a position where they could pay some things back. I don't disagree with what Chris Mack is saying in Mm. terms of intensity. I don't disagree in terms of like some of the parts are there time. It's getting late though for Duke to try to put this thing together. Okay. Which is exactly what Kay would have said after last night, because he knows, he knows what they have and he knows what they don't have. And for them to be their best, Mm -hmm. Proctor can't be a a net zero. This was a, this was a knock on Shire last year that his demeanor called into question a level of intensity for the team and whether or not Duke could get pushed around. And then he lost his shit with what happened at Virginia. And you saw how it went from there. Shouts to Brian Kersey. Who's there last night? He was, you know, hell of a night for the officials with Brian Kersey there, by the way. I think they just changed another foul to another. I, I think Reed just got his sixth foul that was assessed to him, right? Most random, just the random shit last Willy night. Willy nilly. <laughs> so, yet last year there was a sentiment that was making the rounds about Duke personality. Do they have it, et cetera, which came from the coach. And last night with the officiating and everything else, Shire kind of snapped. And from that point on, Duke kind of turned it on a little bit there too. Shire was asked about it after the game. And I thought his response to your point about coach K kind of loving him up was on point. And I think there's a larger point to be made after this. Just emotional, you know, just emotional. Like I just, um, I don't think this group and look, that's on us to prove it. We'll be right there at the end of this thing. I'm just telling you guys, like, I just, I believe in these guys so much. And uh, we've been through a lot in the first two years. Like this is, my first two years, the support of the crowd has been incredible. And this is a key game for us. It was a key moment. And I was fired up because Mark Mitchell made a heck of a play, you know, on the sideline. He had great hands. And, and again, just like I don't expect our guys to be perfect, officiating is never going to be perfect. That has nothing to do with it. So that was John Shire after the game. And that sequence and how we talked about it after the game leads to my larger point about Duke going forward. And watching a coach come into his own in real time, right? We only know the final form of coach K, not the coach K who got there and almost got fired and almost got fired. Right. We don't We're going to play this way. We're only going to play this way. Everyone you should play zone. So there's this, I feel like John in our conversations with him, 
hearing him in postgame, watching him coach, is trying to have this very calm demeanor. We're not going to get too high. We're not going to get too low. We're going to be really cool. I'm going to do my breathing techniques, and we're going to find a way to win. I get it. It's a generational shift. Kevin Keats talks about this all the time. The things that people over 40 care about and the things that people under 30 care about are different. And he is young. He's in his 30s. So he's not of the same group as us. Okay. However, there is a direct correlation in two years now of evidence that I've seen. I know it's not a lot of body of work, but I've seen it now two years in a row. When John finally shows a little bit of the, he played for K. He won a championship. He knows he has to get to a particular level as a player. So when I see it happen as a coach, I go, aha, there it is. And maybe the team goes, oh, 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 okay. So uh, calm, cool, even keel is no longer calm, cool, even keel. All right, let's go. Okay. And I think, I think that's, it's, I get why he doesn't want to, but I want to see more of it. Right. I want, cause I get it. He doesn't want to let this thing eat him the way it, almost 8k. So I get where he's coming from. And maybe I'm doing way too much, you know, press row psychoanalysis of John Shire, but I don't think it's lost on anybody that when he loses it, the team responds. And I'll be curious to see if maybe they're getting all the stuff. Hey, this guy thinks you're soft. Hey, Jay Williams just went on ESPN and said, you gotta let the big dogs eat. Will that get through the team? We shall see. We shall see. Housekeeping. Big thanks to Ed Ovana for sponsoring housekeeping. You can buy a digital gift card to Ed Ovana. So if you want a Tomorrow's last, the day, if let's you wanna, do this. If you want a last minute Valentine's Day gift, head on over to enovana.com, E-N-O-V-A-N-A.com. Because you know what's better than flowers? You know what's better than chocolates? A clean bathroom. Hell freaking yes, man. Because you don't want to get behind that toilet. You know what you've done to that toilet. All right? So. Go to Enovana.com, E-N-O-V-A-N-A.com. We dropped those new Breaking Tea t-shirts yesterday. Shout out to the Virginia Tech people that don't like the placement of the dot. Wait, what? Hey, man, I know it's somewhere out there in the southwest corner of Virginia. All right? I know it's somewhere out there. (laughs) Okay? But we're not using the map. No, hang on a second. We included you on the map. No, but just so you know, you weren't on the original logo, people. But look, I'm being being silly here, but there are some Virginia Tech people who are like, there's no way Virginia Tech is that Southwest in Virginia. I'm like, yeah, but the dot has to be visible and like there's only so much space. But you get it. You knew it was Virginia Tech, right? Okay, then. Like, you know, the little three, the little triangle, it's actually not how it's really set up either. Just saying, like, you shouldn't be using our T-shirt map to find Blacksburg. <laughs> like, where do I go? How do I get to Lane Stadium? Triangulate. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the Ovis and Julio map, and I don't see it. I, I don't just, think it's here. I just need to turn left. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go to breakingt.com slash OG. Go buy that shirt. Shout out to people who have already purchased the shirt. I've got a couple emails saying, it's an auto purchase, man. Come on. Seen it, seen it, seen it. I ordered mine. Hopefully, I'll have it in time. For the ACC tournament. You mentioned Matt Davis with State Farm. You were his buddy last night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. He can be your buddy and save you a lot of money. InsureGardner.com. Call him directly at 919-779-8277. And did you hit the breeze through on the way to Duke or on the way back to Duke? Uh, Will you need it today? On the way back, I did. Also, I saw Adam at the game last night. Nice. Did not realize he also had Duke tickets. I love it. Adam knows what's going on. They know what's going on at Breeze Who Take care of all of your tailgate needs and all of my dark roast coffee needs. 
now I tend to avoid day after Super Bowl media because anybody can podcast on a Monday. Certainly anybody can podcast on a Monday after the Super Bowl. You know, I don't, I don't need to get an idea of where things were. Everybody watched it. Everybody knows. I don't need that crap. Now on a Tuesday, I am fascinated by it's a lot harder. I'm fascinated by how do you stretch Super Bowl coverage after you've gotten through your favorite commercials, you know, this moment that where's Patrick Mahomes and the goat and everything else. And there were two distinct storylines that were coming out of this game. And from what I could tell this morning, one of them is very football-y and the other one is more pop culture. Where would you like to start? Pop culture. <laughs> the parasocial relationship between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey has boiled over, has absolutely boiled over. And I, if if I sound like I'm psychoanalyzing a coach from press row, some of y'all need to go outside and touch grass after Travis Kelsey got in Andy Reed's face in the Super Bowl about wanting the ball and bumping into a kindly old man who looks like a war and just wants his nuggies and people. I'm not making this up. Got online and we're like, Taylor, you need to leave. That's a red flag. He has anger issues. I'd walk away. What's wrong with you? No, seriously, what's wrong with you? Have you, I don't want to be a gatekeeper here, but it's very much a, is this your first time watching a football game? Is this your, is this your first time watching a championship level event where the stakes are high and emotions are running over a very violent football game? I digress. That's the pop culture storyline. Go outside and touch grass. The parasocial relationship has boiled over. Please enough about that. The football side of things has been Kyle Shanahan in the overtime. I told you this was going to be a thing yesterday. I told you this is going to be a thing yesterday. And the part that I'm actually having a, a hard time struggling with. There is the inevitability of Patrick Mahomes, and it might not matter what you did, whether you got the ball first, you deferred X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter because at that point, Patrick Mahomes had taken over. You talked about it yesterday. There's a patience about Patrick Mahomes that has derailed just about everybody along the way in the last five years. Outside of, you know, when they lose to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, right? But I'm not quite sure that while, while I think the idea of wanting a third possession and the analytics tell you it's a better play because by the you you did what you did and they do what they do, and then now you have the final, the final possession, not against Patrick Mahomes. I think that's that's my takeaway. He is inevitable. But the part that I'm having a really hard time struggling with, the the the, the part that I'm like, okay, what come on, y'all. We have enough history to say. That Kyle Shanahan is never going to win the big one. Or that the 28 to three is solely a Kyle Shanahan. Like it's now gotten to the point where he's the one Whoa. who's responsible for 28. To okay. No, hold on a second. Are yeah. you saying Kyle Shanahan won't win the big one? There is a sentiment that he is not going to win the big one. Look at his track okay. record. Look I, at his I track record. I was actually record. thinking about this. Okay. Do you know who was for all of those years? The Wiley Coyote to Bill Belichick's roadrunner. Andy Reid, who now has three Super Bowls because he has a generational quarterback. Mm -hmm. But Brock Purdy, bless your heart, you're not a generational quarterback. No. And you know, Kyle Shanahan's got another 30 years in the NFL if he'd liked it, by the way. Yeah. So to sit here and say, oh, it'll never happen for him. There were plenty of people saying the same thing about Andy Reid when he was dragging Donovan McNabb around. Okay. So you don't know how it's going to change for him. When you know football 
the way that Reed does, the way that Shanahan does. The 49ers did not lose the football game because they took the ball first in overtime. The 49ers didn't lose the football game because Kyle Usek, who went to freaking Harvard, <laughs> didn't know the rules to overtime. Right. Okay. That, that had no out, that had no effect on the outcome of the football game. The 49ers lost the football game because in the red zone on third and four, they could not convert. Meanwhile, the Chiefs had fourth down plays mm-hmm. and other third down plays on their touchdown drive that they did convert. I, it, it does not have to be more than this. No, it has it's to. It's not an episode of SUV where it we have to, to solve the crime in 35 minutes. SVU. Okay. This is, that's not what this is. So I agree with you. And I find it weird. Again, every Super Bowl with that many people who watch it, you have to have your easy storylines to grab onto. And the one well, that how, I, how much easier is it than the Chiefs made a play and no. the 49ers didn't No, because you need a coach punching bag. You just referenced it with Andy Reid. OK, we need a coach punching bag. We need a guy who's so talented, but he's never won the big one. So we can call in a question whether or not what he's doing is right. OK. And with in the part that I have a hard problem with is I'm listening to ESPN radio last night on my drive back from Cameron indoor. And they're talking about 28 to three as though it was Kyle Shanahan as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons that, that night he was the offensive coordinator. So who do you assign a 28 to three blown lead to the OC who's in, jo- in charge of one aspect of the game? or the head coach who was Dan Quinn at the time of the Atlanta Falcons blowing that 28 to three lead. But in the history, the lore of Kyle Shanahan right down to that Peter King story. It's like, that is your loss. That loss is being hung on you. So Shanahan, I think is getting kind of unfairly dumped on for what's happened in the Super Bowl. which again, if you really wanted to bang on Kyle Shanahan, if you really wanted to bang on Kyle Shanahan, it's not about overtime. It's not about 28 to three, which is not completely in his control because again, there's a head coach above him. It's the fact that they've had how many cracks to trying to get the quarterback right. And they've missed these skill position players are not going to all be there. Okay. You're not going to have Christian McCaffrey forever. You're not going to have Debo Samuel forever. You're not going to have George kill forever. All right. They have, they, I mean, they got lucky with Brock Purdy. They's able to do what he's able to do. But I mean, they whiffed on the Trey Lance thing, man. Whiffed. They they probably they stuck gave up. They gave up premium premium assets and whiffed on that. Yeah, they whiffed on that and survived. Okay. Yeah. And with Jimmy G, they took it as far as they could take it. At least they recognized that man. This is as far as we can take it with Jimmy G. So I do wonder if this offseason, and I think Kyle Shanahan knows this because there was still a conversation about potentially getting Tom Brady. All right. Right. If Maybe. they also wonder if, hey man, you know what's Maybe wild. this Brock Purdy thing is as far as we could take it. I don't think they lost the football game because of Brock Purdy either. You know, it's wild to me what? when we talk about losses and how we assign them and, and we try to predict things. Sure, right? sure, sure. Trent Williams is is the 49ers left tackle. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Some of those penalties in the first half on Trent Williams, like if you really want to get into, if you want to list the reasons why the 49ers lost this football game, the, the muffed punt is number one on the list. The special teams mistakes the missed uh, extra point, the blocked extra point. That's number one on the list. Number two, Christian McCaffrey's fumble in the first half when they're going in to score a touchdown and really assert control of the football game. Number three, 
your Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame left tackle, mm-hmm. single-handedly sabotages a drive while you're sitting here in a position to extend your lead and put more game pressure on the Chiefs. But how does one supposed to lucidly predict that Trent Williams is going to have back-to-back penalties that only he can control? Right, right. Like you can't. Right. You can't. Now how are you he- supposed to predict that George Kittle, while diving on a fourth down conversion is going to hurt his shoulder, go back to the locker room. And while he's getting his pain injection, his backup is going to be called for a holding penalty. Mm-hmm. You can't predict any of these things. I'm with you on that. Man. That's not coaching either. I'm with you on that. One other Super Bowl leftover ratings were bonkers. Uh, Real ratings, not like uh, yeah. the fake new no. impressions or fucking no, 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 no. TikTok, whatever. <laughs> Man, ratings got you fired up. <laughs> Drop an F bomb. Well, no, on that no, one. you you can't. The, no, I'm with you on that. Super Bowl 16 is the gold standard. You can, you can't be messing with Super Bowl 16 without so, a, apples to apples. This is key. 120 million viewers watched CBS. It's the largest audience ever on a single network. 120 million people. When you start getting into your Fugazi numbers, as you like mm-hmm. to call them, most streamed Super Bowl ever. Well, of yeah, course. Sure. And it also led to a record-setting audience on Paramount. And at some point, I think when you added them all up, more than 200 million viewers watched all or part of the Super Bowl across all of their networks. Okay, so bottom line, when I see a list of the highest rated things of all time, when it's like the MASH episode, you're going to get Super Bowl 16. This is ahead of it. Yes. Even the moon landing. Interesting. Yes. You know why? Says too much about our country, but okay. You know why? Well, there was more TVs and more people now. No. Well, Taylor Swift. Oh, just Taylor Swift. Just Taylor Swift. Yeah, not, not it's Matt. that simple, man. Yeah. Which, if there's one takeaway, it's not, sometimes you don't have to overcomplicate this stuff, okay? <laughs> You're right. It's Taylor Swift. <laughs> Hard stop. Which, my one hope and wish, as we get out of this segment, my one hope and wish is that this Super Bowl with Taylor Swift, with these ratings, a record-setting ratings of 120 million people who watch this damn game, all right, puts an end to news cycles that are created from social media sentiment that are clearly shit posts. Okay. Stop giving oxygen to people online who are not coming from the best place. Grifters, people who like have never watched this stuff before, or my personal favorite. Oh, you found four people bitching about something online. That doesn't make it a story. You know what I saw at Cameron Indoor Stadium last night? You saw my Deeks. I saw your Deeks, and I saw a home field big four tournament champs, Duke T. Now they're just trolling us. I know, right? What's what's going on? Where's the state one? Mm. But I saw Duke one last night. I hope they use that promo code OG23. I, yeah, save yourself 15%. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't track that person down, but I hope they use the promo code OG23 to save 15% off their order. Just in time for the tournament, you got Duke gear, NC State gear, and NC State gear. All fresh stuff. It's all out there. It's all great. It's all at homefieldapparel.com. Also, big thanks to Hometown Realty. Check them out online, myhtr.com. The interest rates are coming back down, which causes people to go, huh, maybe it is time to sell the house. Maybe it is time to buy a new house. Now that the rates are coming down, get it before the frenzy, Joe. I was going to say, get ahead of the rush. Get ahead of the frenzy. Get your information all lined up. 
Go to the experts, hometown realty, myhtr.com. Six locations, more than 250 agents. You want to be in the new construction? MyHTR has you covered. Also, big thanks to Whitaker and Hamer. Check them out online, wh.lawyer. You bought that house. You refinance. You got to take it to close. Whitaker and Hamer can handle that for you. Locations across North Carolina. Check them out online at wh.lawyer. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, a man that will never lose his stick. He is Mike Maniscalco, <laughs> Valley Sports, Kane's voice. What up, Mike? That's good. Don't be, don't be so sure about that, Chip. <laughs> well, you know, you get there, you got that up in there in age, man. Might lose. What was this? What, King Missile, detachable penis. That was the name yeah, of the yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. It gets lost sometimes. All right, let's process what we saw before we talk about what we could see tonight. That Devils game was not I was not planning on attending a game that was going to be as intense as that game was and use the words Mike use the word come on use them what kind of game was that it's playoff hockey yes Yes! oh yeah yes once we once we pass the all-star game gentlemen (laughs) it is playoff hockey (laughs) it's allowed (laughs) all right let's um what I'm I guess this is where the frustration of watching the Carolina Hurricanes can kind of come into play because they they shot a lot. And this is a thing that the Canes will do. They will shoot a lot. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the pucks are going behind the net. And I know Rod can say, hey, I like the way we played. You know, we we count on these things kind of breaking through eventually for us. But those are the kind of games that give people pause and then turn their eyes over to the goaltending situation to be like, man, if they ain't scoring you got to back it up. So I, I feel like there's a lot of positive to take away and also some concern to take away from that game on Saturday. Well, you know, this is the way that they play now. And I, I don't want to, you know, try to sit here and go hockey one one but uh, one of the schools of thoughts is high volume shooting teams. I mean, I, I, I can tell you and the thought process behind it is the more pucks you put on net, the averages, the numbers will tell you, well, you should score more goals. Okay. That's, that's the principle to it. Well, that started to evolve about the last year or two where teams have gone away from, we're not going to go high volume shots. We're going to try to create as many high volume danger chances. Now, whatever those may be, uh, you can have different, you know, sentiment on, is it, in between the dots, is it right in front of the goaltender? Where are those high danger chances coming from? But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that it exposes if you are the Hurricanes and you don't score a goal, hey, what's going to happen at the other end of the rink? The Canes have enough faith in in their goaltending, be it Auntie Ranta, Piotr Kochetkov, Freddie Anderson, what that we've seen in the past, that that's the way they're going to play. And they're fine with it. Uh, the, the one thing that, that happens though is in in trip brings this one up a lot. And I agree with it that if you put some shots on goalies early and they start making saves, they feel good about themselves. So you can run into when you hear that it's a hot goalie. Sometimes you can create that hot goalie. You know, you become Dr. Frankenstein, you put the pucks on a guy, he starts feeling good because he starts to see it. He's going to make saves and you go from there. But, you know, I think, what everybody should have walked out of that game against New Jersey with Joe is okay. We've got a guy who, you know, when he's right, he's going to make all the saves too. And that was a big game for Piotr Kochetkov. 
in an even bigger post game for Pyotr Kochenko. <laughs> Who's teaching him English, man? That's locker room talk, boys. Let's face it. You come over here, you you pick up. It's like anything. You pick up the language with, you know, what's around there. I learned I learned uh, French from watching the Smurfs when I was a kid because I got Quebec TV that came into uh, into my household. So, I mean, like I, the funny thing is, Kochekov and what he said after the games, like, and I'll uh, for the we're a podcast, so we can say it, but I'm paraphrasing here. But he said. Fuck boys, go score. I go home. And I felt that, you know, like sometimes you hear lyrics and you're like, man, that speaks to me. <laughs> and I, when I saw that quote, I'm like, damn, Kochekov really speaking to me here. Like, look, man, just do your job. I do my job. We go home. It's as simple as that. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we can run down the list right now. Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Peter <laughs> Kochekov, lyricists <laughs> who hit Joe Obius's heart. And don't forget Taylor message. Swift. Don't forget Taylor Swift. How can we not? I mean, come on. Style hits me in the feels every single time I hear it. <laughs> well, you do got that James Dean daydream look in your eye. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. I think Rod made, I mean, logically, you know, you, we know the result of, of the New Jersey game. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of, I got there and I was slightly surprised that Spence didn't start. Slightly. But I also thought to myself, well, the right play for the coach is to put Kachekov out there. And if he struggles, then you get rid of him. You bet. Mm-hmm. But if he starts and plays the way that he did, now you've maybe saved his season. So I could see the thought process kind of working, but we will see Spence at, at some point again, right? Like we're not just going to save him on the ice for, for Boston games. <laughs> no, no, well, I mean, I think he can only play against Boston this year. He's played Those against the rules. four times. Uh, no, you'll, with a back-to-back on this road trip, you'll okay. see him. And the question is, will he play against Arizona or will he play against Vegas? And I think that tonight's going to dictate that. So back, to, you're going to be back in Vegas. Was, yeah, yeah, back in Vegas. Look at, you. Look at Mike; he's got this all I, planned out. They're going to be like, "Hey, you're back!" I also, yeah, well, work, boys, for work. Oh well, you know, <laughs> fair enough. Spending I, the night there, so because it's a back-to-back, so right? Okay, not leaving right after the game, and I, I plan on. Visiting some of the places where I had left some money and maybe go give it back to me. See if you can find it. It's stashed somewhere, right? I also like need to be careful what I say about the hurricanes and and their goalies because I said, (laughs) barring a disaster, and then we get the the Colorado sequence, which was a disaster. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not going to speak anything to into existence. No, no, you know what? I'm I'm going to go the other way with that. Okay, no, because it could have been, and then. The, the the disaster part for me is that Alti Ronta gets hurt, but then yes. Kochetkov Kochetkov comes back into the third period and doesn't allow a goal, and then he carries that over into the New Jersey game. I believe that. So uh, the disaster is the injury, but this is where the team is a little bit more comfortable now because they have Spencer Martin, the mm-hmm. guy who's played NHL games, to give you that depth as that backup. Whereas if we're in this situation four weeks ago. You've got to turn to Yanni Peretz and nothing against him. He just doesn't have NHL experience. And I mean, he might be 23 and win a national championship, but that's a little bit different than, you know, being 23 and having played, you know, 24, 25 games in the NHL. If I was a better writer, I would weave a narrative about how important that sequence was for the Hurricanes and ultimately how this season goes. Like, I mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a exaggeration to say we were on the brink of, them losing all hope in Kachekov. That was the type of sequence that was to me anyway. Uh, Colorado. 
I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where now that we're in this room, I, I can't tell you that you're you're wrong, but you know he's a he's a pretty resilient young guy. He really is, and I think we forget he has not played a high number of games in his career. Period, going mm-hmm. back to the KHL and here, um, I think that he is going to be able to shrug off things more easily than other goaltenders. I just really think that he's got that DNA of. Uh, well, I did that. Well, whatever. And it, it, it might affect him for that game, but I don't think it would affect him the next game, the way that he just goes about his business. He, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't strike me in the, the limited conversations I've had with him as his English has improved. He doesn't strike me as somebody who sits there and worries that he allowed a bad goal. In yeah. the game. He, he worries that he wants to play the next game and how he'll play the next game, but he's not carrying, Oh God, I let a, I let a shot from outside the blue line that shouldn't be a goal in the nets. I don't think that that carries around with him. It's funny. I didn't intend this conversation to be based completely on, on goaltending, but in a lot of ways, when we talk about the Canes and and we'll get out of here on this, Rod has said it, we've said it. I didn't want to believe it at first. I didn't want to think it was that simple, but Rod's been hammering that point that yes, it is that simple. You've been hammering that point. Yes, it is that simple. So going forward into Joe's point about confidence with Kochekov and how important that game was on Saturday, I do feel like, you know, back-to-backs aside, just let Kochekov take it. I mean, it's, they have, I mean, I I get that the season, there's not that much season left in the grand scheme of things, but I feel like at this point with the uncertainty with Ranta, the uncertainty with Anderson, just let him take it and see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what the organization wanted to do. You know, they. I think we were on that uh, before he got concussed yeah. in that Anaheim game. Like, it was, he was going to have the net, and he was going to run with it. And he was going to be the guy getting four out of every five, as far as starts go. So, we'll see if that happens. But at the same time, too, I don't think that they want to, when you say, go take it. I don't think they want to push it to where okay. it, it, it breaks. Um, and you, you have to give guys a little bit of rest here and there. But I think right now, if the tandem is going to be, and uh, Rod said it's going to be weeks for Auntie Rod, and we, we still have no timeline for Frederick Anderson. It's great that he's back on the ice, but uh, there's no timeline there. Uh, I think that you are going to see right now with this current setup for the next few weeks, it'll be Kochetkov four or five with Spencer Martin as the backup. Mike Metascalco, Canes play-by-play, Bally Sports. We appreciate the time as always. Enjoy Dallas. Enjoy Phoenix while they're there. Yeah. And of course, Vegas. Oh, can't wait to, can't wait to go to Mullet. I, I swear, it is a great experience, guys, for the fans and for the broadcasters, for the players. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you next week. You got it. Big thanks to Mike Menoscalco, as always, for hanging out with us. And big thanks to Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, Bundling. They are on it. They're ahead of the game. Everybody's bundling now. You know who's been bundling your services? Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. Check them out, bugsbite.com. The OG, OG. Save yourself some money, protect your house. It's a win-win for everyone. Bugsbite.com. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, hey, Valentine's Day is today. Because I know some of you do not listen to the podcast until the next day. Totally get it. 
Yeah. I, no, I totally get it. We appreciate you catching up on the podcast. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning and you're going, oh crap, it's Valentine's Day, may I suggest the gift of meat on Valentine's Day? <laughs> go to Butcher's Market, go get some, just the tip, signature steak tips. It's all you need. It's got sides. You, you've, Heck, got, you've got this one all covered by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you get everything you need for a wonderful Valentine's Day dinner. Okay. Head on over to the butcher's market and enjoy the gift of meat. Let's rock! Hello, Join, Cleveland. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Mitch Northrum. He is our official. Women's College basketball correspondent Mitch, what's going on, man? I, I do what I can, and um, I'm happy to be introduced by uh, ACDC or whatever the OG version of that was. <laughs> that was uh, Brian Shot, Nice Price, just riffing, baby, riffing for Excellent. us. And if you if you watched it on YouTube, you could see it is the occult imagery of the triangle. All right, you've you've triangle got media. You got triangle the blood media. feud triangle media, and the reason why we're bringing you on is because um. Did NC State break North Carolina? Because what do we got? Four losses in a row, and they've suddenly forgotten how to shoot, especially this last game against Duke. Yeah, um, I don't think NC State broke them. They actually, I mean, NC State is one of the closer games they've played over this stretch. I think it's really a problem that started at home against Miami on January 25th. Um, they won that game by five. But it was another game where they led by 19 points and that we just kind of evaporated. I think Carolina mostly just has a problem closing games. Um, they have a problem playing with big leads for whatever the reason is. Um, and yeah, kind of in crunch time, there seems to be just a lack of, um, hey, what are we doing? Um and a plan that, you know, I'm, there, there's just a lack of connectivity there. And I'm not sure, you know, what the reason for that is. But yeah, you know, in crunch time against Duke the other day at the end of regulation, um, last couple possessions, De- Deja Kelly hardly touches the ball. Um, you know, you try to get a shot under the rim for Alyssa Utsby, but she's having a really tough, you know, scoring day. I think she went two of 14 in that game. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, the big problem for Carolina, and it's really at this crucial moment for them at this point of the season, you got six regular season games left. I think, you know, this was a team that came in with big aspirations this season. And I think the, um, the opportunity for them to host NCAA tournament games that, that getting that top 16 seed, I think that's gone. So now you kind of need to sort of regroup and figure out, all right, how do we kind of get our mojo back and try to end the regular season on a high note, um, get some momentum going into Greensboro and then the NCAA tournament. A lot of talk on the men's side about how many teams will make the NCAA tournament, Mitch, how many from the women's side are, are we looking at? Yeah. Um, luckily for the ACC, they do not have the same perception problem in women's basketball as they do in men's. Um, the ACC might get the most teams in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, they might get nine, um, which last year they had eight. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty packed field. I would say, you know, ESPN usually comes out with their projections on Tuesday. Um, I think the last, you know, projection that that Charlie Cream had over there was getting nine teams in. Um, you know, yeah, I would say the ACC is probably the the deepest in terms of just like 
quantity of teams that you're going to get into the tournament where the Pac-12 might be the most top heavy. We might have like four or five Pac-12 teams hosting. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, Carolina is definitely right now still a lock to get in. Luckily for them, they, they have kind of two get right games coming up. They're going to play the two worst teams in the league back to back. They're going to play Pitt at home on Thursday and then at Wake Forest on on Sunday. Um and go from there. But yeah, um, NC State, I think, is is probably still in the best position to to host games. Virginia Tech is right there. They've won a couple in a row now. Um, and Louisville, um, despite uh losing on a on a really bad call the other day, I think they're in the mix to host as well. Um, yeah, Carolina, I think, is just fighting for seeding at that, this point. You know, can they get as good as a five or, or are they gonna slip back to an eight or a nine? So I uh, went to the play for K game. Uh, obviously state played really well for about 35 minutes against mm-hmm. Louisville. They ended up winning the game anyway, even though Louisville I thought was really good in the fourth quarter. You could obviously see their talent. Uh, this is Westmore's best backcourt, right? Like uh, number one, that's my statement from watching one game, but where did Isaiah, uh, Isaiah James come from? Because she's a baller. Yeah. Um, I definitely think offensively, yeah, this is their best backcourt. Like you don't have like that lockdown defender that he had on those, you know, those teams with Kai Crutchfield, you know, so you could just throw her at, you know, the other team's best three-point shooter and as them. Um, but yeah, this is, um, it's kind of, you know, the, like I said, uh, I think the last time I was on it, they're at their best when they're really running and they have all these interchangeable pieces like Sanaya Rivers, Isaiah James, Madison Hayes, are they point guards? Are they shooting guards? It doesn't really matter because they can all kind of do the same things. They can shoot, they can dribble, they can handle. And Isaiah James, yeah, she was on this team. She was a freshman um, on that NC State team that went to the Elite Eight that lost up at UConn, um, you know, in double OT. Um, so she was kind of exposed to, I think, you know, the, the best that NC State's been over the past 10 years and um, got to play with some of those really good guards that I talked about, like Kai Crutchfield and and um, Raina Perez, uh, her name escaped me there for a moment. But yeah, um, <laughs> she's been awesome. She's, uh, I believe she's from like the Norfolk, Virginia area. And yeah, in this this season, her junior year, she's really kind of blossomed. We saw some glimpses of it last year. Um, but yeah, and she is really, there's been times this season, Louisville was, was an example of this, Virginia Tech as well, where NC State kind of has trouble finding the scoring flow, and Isaiah James is like, it's fine. I'll score 10 this quarter. It just kind of carries them. Yeah. Who can we talk to at the NCAA to get the men to play quarters? Uh, I enjoyed the quarters format tremendously. I'm shocked it's actually taking this long. Like, what are are we doing? I don't understand. I don't get it. This is the only... Only yeah. version of the sport that doesn't use quarters. It's been brought up for conversation. I don't know why they just haven't approved it yet. It makes sense. Yeah, is, I I don't know. Is there still a Gavit in charge on the men's side? Are we yeah, we gotta, gotta be right. right. No, yeah, yeah there's a rule. Is, That's there, a there's, rule. There's a Gavit there still. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's great for the pace of the game. Um, on the women's side, it's been it's been really good ever since they made the switch. Whenever that was, um, six six years ago now or something like that. Um. I can't remember how long it's been, but yeah, I think it's, it's just great. Yeah. For the, for the pace of the game and um, you know, less timeouts and kind of splitting things up. Um, I really enjoy the quarters as well. I, I hope they never go back. Mitch Northam, check them out online. You got what I'm trying to remember all the places, NPR, WUNC, yep. uh, USA today, 
And of course, yeah. an AP top 25 women's college basketball voter. Mitch, we appreciate the time as always keeping us on our toes when it comes to women's college basketball. Now, one more, one more thing before we get out of here. And I think this is really important when we talk about college basketball officiating, nobody likes it anywhere. Men's and women's right. Just ask, just ask walls in Louisville, right? That's right. It's, it's, it's not been good. Um, so real quick, I'll, I'll explain what happened. Um, yeah. There's like a couple of seconds left in Louisville's game against Syracuse. Louisville is up by one and they have a foul to give. And Syracuse has the ball. So, you know, Louisville goes to foul. Um, Olivia Cochran, you know, as players do at the end of games, they she wraps Deja Fair up. Instead of just calling a common foul, the oh, ACC no. refs determined that that was a intentional foul. Oh. Uh, and oh. they immediately sent Deja Fair to the line, and she made two, three free throws with 2.3 seconds left. And Syracuse won 73 to 72. And Jeff Walls got on his. This game was at Syracuse. So Jeff Walls does, you know, post game media with the Louisville folks back home on a Zoom. And he gets on the Zoom and just, immediately goes into that zoom knowing knowing that he's going to get a fine um here's the quote it was a god-awful call it's absolutely terrible officiating they should be embarrassed someone has to start holding the officials accountable that was the call that call was the worst call i've seen in my 29 years of coaching if we're going to start calling that every foul at the end of the game when a team has to foul is intentional um you know, I mean, yeah. he's not wrong he's not wrong sometimes coaches have to just say it yeah Yep. And yeah, be curious to see what they find them because they're going to have to find them. I'll be curious to see what they or a reprimand. Who knows? Reprimands are all don't do that again. Reprimands are very, very hot this year in the ACC. Right. A, right good, a good finger wagging from, from Charlotte. <laughs> all right, Mitch. We'll talk to you later, man. One other ACC related note before we get out of here. Did you see the ACC kickoff schedule has been released, Joe? I did. And I took note of it only because I thought you were kidding with me when you had said that Jim Phillips insists on his doctorate degree oh, oh no. being included oh no. in his title. This bad boy is on the graphic that they put out yesterday. I've got this up on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. So we got, okay. Can we have a meeting? Uh, sure. Let's have a meeting. This kickoff used to be a day. Oh, there's waiting for the wolves at the, why are they putting the wolves in the heels together on the right. same day? Right. I got who made the schedule. I got questions on who made this damn schedule. <laughs> so you right? don't need to be there on the 23rd. Well, Cal Pitt, Stanford. So here's the question I Virginia, have. Virginia, Virginia tech. Do I like any of them. It's, no. it's the middle of the, Pitt. I like the pick guy. It's the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. Pat Narduzzi. Is that who you're thinking about? Yeah, because he's the one. Oh, you sound like a state fan. Oh, okay. It's Just the, be Clemson. It's no big deal. It's the middle of the summer, so we don't, it's not like we have anything going on. Sure. Right? Sure. So the question is, do you want to go to all four days to this? I don't see a reason for us to be there on July 23rd. <laughs> I, I mean, so you want to go I'm not Monday. Being a jerk. I'm just, no, I know. So you want to go Monday and drive back? Or do you just want to use Tuesdays a day to hit some breweries in Charlotte ooh, instead of going to ACC kickoff? I got to know somebody. Oh. In Charlotte, who can get me on a golf course? All right, let's do that. So that's question number one: is do we stay the entire week? I mean, I'll stay at Nada's. I'll crash there. Yeah, I, I got friends in Charlotte. Okay, then we yeah. can do that. All right. So that's issue number one. Issue number two is we, we're not going to show up Tuesdays. What you're saying because there's no point. No. California, Pitt, Stanford, Virginia, Virginia Tech. 
Okay. No, that would be the, the awkward time filler. Hey, can you go sit that? It's been done before. Like, Hey, can yeah. you go sit at this table and talk okay. to the players from so Wednesday? So Wednesday we'll talk to, we'll talk to Duke and Wake Forest, obviously. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, no Jeff Halfley. So there's no reason to talk to Boston college anymore. No, he won't even text you back. Nope. And then, then, they, then they smush everybody on Thursday with Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, and Syracuse. Well, poor Syracuse. Poor Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the, here's 78 outlets up there that cover them. We'll be there though. So that's the, so there's my issue. I got two issues with the scheduling. Why did you put Clemson, North Carolina, NC State on the last freaking day? Number one, number two. Who thought it was a great idea to put Florida State and Jim Phillips PhD on the same day? Maybe that's what they wanted. So it's really they want Drew Weatherford like lurking like Sting in the WW WCW waiting for his chance, right? Yes. Like Jim Phillips starts his press conference, and then all of a sudden, like all Florida State media is like Jim, Jim, Jim. I don't know, glass breaking. All I need this wrestled up. I mean, actually, the wrestling is wrong. Because Shane McMahon's kid just committed to North Carolina. Yeah. I'm now old enough that Shane Shane McMahon's kid is at UNC. Shane O'Mac. Jeez, man. I wonder if he talks to his kid when he drives by PNC Arena and goes, son, that's the place where I jumped from atop the scaffolding. It was amazing. Wow, man. Anyway, so there's your note. I just wanted to make sure like we're cool with going. And yeah, Jim Phillips, PhD. Yeah, I thought you made that up. No, I did not yeah. make that up. That's a real thing. That is a real thing from Jim Phillips. Um, I want to be there at least Monday because I want to see the Florida State people swarm on Jim Phillips to talk about stuff. You, they'll leave it to us to ask the hard questions. Absolutely. No, no, no. You tell me like you tell me like Corey Clark and I run those guys. Maybe Bud, maybe Bud Elliott makes a rare post a press conference appearance. We get, right. old, we get old school bud. I'm good. I mean, if we get old school bud, I am in, man. You know we're I up in. to the task. Of course we are. Of course we are. Podcast is calling. <laughs> it's time to get out of here on some Hey Joe questions. Let's get out of here. Awesome. Hey, Joe questions. So yesterday you told a story about being in the Rams locker room yes. and seeing football players are just built different. And yes. I think you've mentioned that from Christian McCaffrey and when he was doing the siren and things like that. Right. And we had a couple of listeners. I pointed out somebody said, man, that, that story about Joe and the Rams locker room football players made me think about times where I'd run into football players. Yeah. I said, look, all I know is that when they trotted out a freshman Mario Williams after a game at NC oh. state, yeah, Dude, talk about talk about different, built different Mario, Super Mario. 18 Ooh. years old, man, coming out for a post game. I'm like, that is not an 18 year old. No, it's like that woman on the plane. You are not a real person. So this guy on uh, threads, I was uh, I was next to that guy in a food line once Mario Williams on Western Boulevard. That is still to this day, the largest human I have ever been in a room with. Good Lord. From Matt Super Sundays, it literally ran into Julius Peppers once when he was at UNC. And then he came into the Oyster Bar during the offseason uh, before going to Chicago. I get it. Yeah. And that's funny because those guys are huge, right? Yeah. Todd Light, though, was like, at the time, he was like 32, 33. And he was just like, there was just not a single ounce of fat on the man's body. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here going, how? How do you do that? Like, I don't... <laughs> I, don't, I don't 
get it. And uh, we had we had some feedback on the Super Bowl discussion. It's like a lot of people have been pointing this out that the Super Bowl is in New Orleans next year, mm-hmm. right? And they would love to see Lil Wayne, maybe a cash money, no limit records themed show. You get Lil Wayne, Juvenile, Baby, Manny back Fresh, Master P. Look, the Super Bowl is not ready for back that ass up. The minute you hear I mean, the chords. There are dancers there. I don't in care. Vegas does not Sunday. matter. It does not matter. It does not matter. Have you been in a room when you hear the <laughs> doom, 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 and then you hear juveniles saying, you know, do it for the nine, nine and the 2000. People lose their shit. I was at PNC Arena for that LL Cool J, like 50 years of hip hop show a while back. Juvenile was there. It's honestly the only reason why I wanted to go because I want to see what that would ha- what would happen to that room when the national anthem stand up. Let's go. Here's the problem. I love this idea about this no limit cash money New Orleans thing, right? The problem is that I don't think America's ready for that. America's not ready. You think it's that much of a cliff from Snoop? Here's the difference. And Trey. I, no, and I'm, glad, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Here's the thing about Snoop Dogg. You're probably right. Because Shakira and J-Lo like moved and people were like, whoa, oh, dude. Usher embraced Alicia Keys in a performative way when they did their duet at the Super Bowl. And people were thinking, oh, my God, what does Swizz Beats think? That's Alicia Keys' husband. What does he think? What's going on? You, you got to be jealous. I'm like, dude, how insecure are y'all in your relationships that you're watching performers perform and you're thinking, oh man, they must be doing it. Who wants to tell these people, hey guys, you know that movie you watched where they did it? Where they're having the sex? They're not actually having sex. Just want to let you know, Red Shoe Diaries was not real. <laughs> it was real to me, damn it! <laughs> So I like this idea. The problem is you brought up Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. The thing mm-hmm. about Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg is that they're now cuddly. I was going to say, okay. Has little right. Wayne, here's my honest question. I don't know the answer to has little Wayne reached the point of safe the way that Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre have Dr. Dre for the most part of people recognize him. It's, Oh, that's the guy with the headphones. Okay. Mm-hmm. And with Snoop Dogg, he's like, Oh, he's like on every commercial. He hung out with Martha Stewart and he likes hockey. He's doing Corona commercials. Little Wayne's in a lot of commercials. But is he safe? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. Here's the answer for the Super Bowl. Next year, I'm calling it right now. We'll save it, clip it, move it on. Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott has hit that point where she's entering into her nostalgia era. She's cameoed before, but she has enough recognizable hits. Enough recognizable hits and enough choreography where I think it's going to work. She could play the what the dealio, what the Gilio. She could do that. And then, of course, Dimitri, our friend, put together the Butt Rock Super Bowl halftime because we've now entered our Creed era. So why not just do a nostalgia trip of all these radio staples from 20 years ago? And he suggests in in Dimitri's wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's clearly going back to his mornings on 96 Rock. All right. Definitely. I mean, for me, I would actually block this from memory. I would never want to hear these songs ever again if I were Dimitri, considering he used to be on the radio with these things. So he suggests they open up with Nickelback, How You Remind Me, and Rockstar. The stage turns to reveal Puddle of Mud, which she hates me, Chad Kroger with backing vocals, and then Blurry. Cut to the crowd, three doors down shown while the rest of the band appears on stage. You get Kryptonite, Here Without You. Scott Stapp comes out for the final chorus of Here Without You. The rest of Creed joins them. 
one last breath followed by my sacrifice. The entire lineup returns to the stage as Guy Fieri rises from the floor with higher and the reason closing it out the Hoover State cover. I think that is perfection. I think that is perfection. But why would that be New Orleans? It's not about New Orleans. Oh, okay. It's just about just doing a halftime show that would absolutely crush it. And I think that might be it. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We will see you all Wednesday. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.